Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. It's great to see all of you here. Thank you for braving the weather and making your way to St. George's Church. Uh, We are in the first chapter of St. Mark's Gospel still, and uh, it's because uh, the lectionary understands this, the first chapter of St. Mark's Gospel is action-packed. I mean, Jesus immediately hits the scene, he's baptized, sent out into the wilderness, makes his way back and starts casting out demons and healing sick people. And everyone, as Jim stated last week, everyone is amazed by Christ's story. And then we come to this particular section in Mark's Gospel, the first chapter here, which opens up almost like a New Yorker cartoon, you know? Jesus heals Simon Peter's mother-in-law. What would you write as the caption underneath? You know, she's in bed, burning up with a fever. I'll tell you something, over the years... I have just read this passage and have always lumped it in with the tapestry of other action going on. You know, Jesus just gives Simon Peter's mother a couple of, mother-in-law there, a couple of vitamins and get back to casting out demons and schooling Pharisees. Um, But I think today in this very, very interesting section that's oftentimes overlooked, we learn three things. We learn three things. First, we learn what does sickness say about the world? Uh, Two, we learn about uh, who is this God who comes to meet us and how that God operates. And then the third thing we really begin to learn and we get an insight into is what are the miracles for? What are the miracles of Jesus for? I think in light of this last year and all of us living within such proximity of death, I mean, there have been a half a million deaths of COVID now in this country. I had for a brief moment, we started interning people, but at the height of the pandemic and the lockdown, I had a whole row of shelving of of people who had died, who we weren't able to intern yet. And so we have been walking in the midst of death. And we've been waking up to the fact that sickness, no matter how small, it can trigger faith. There just was this very powerful article that came out in January. Pew Research uh, did a poll and released a study that found that roughly 3 in 10, 28% of Americans have cited the pandemic as a powerful force of bringing them back to their faith. Maybe for you, the pandemic has brought some questions up. And sickness, no matter what it is, whether it be a fever or a pandemic, maybe it's cancer, but it brings in the acute fact, it narrows in on the fact that we are vulnerable, that we are finite, and that we are mortals. It stirs up the question within us, what happens when we die? And this is because sin and sickness are related. Now, not in some sort of prosperity, gospel, word of faith nonsense. I'm not saying that, like some of these yahoos you hear, you're sick and it's your fault, you know, because you don't have enough faith. That's not Christianity, that's paganism. 
But sin and sickness are related because uh, it reminds us, sickness reminds us that something is not right. Not only within ourselves and the world, but within the very fabric of the universe. Something's off. Things are not the way they should be. Sin disorders everything. And this is one of the points of Jesus in Mark's gospel, is that he, Jesus, has come to bring order to everything, whether it be weather, whether it be health, uh, whether it be death itself. But this is one of the points, is that sin is every of the cosmos, and something is not right. And this is my first point. As insignificant as it may seem, Simon Peter's mother-in-law struggling with a fever, and then make it personal, as significant as it may seem, you or your loved one struggling with COVID, you or your loved one struggling with cancer, you or your loved one, it all reminds us that there's something wrong. Actually, not just with you, but the whole cosmic order of things. But specifically you, because the gospel is for you. And specifically you, because this is why Jesus has come. To heal, to redeem, to restore, to make all things new. And notice how different this account is than maybe the way you thought God operates. Most people have a yadam das zine to each his own kind of idea of God. You scratch his back and then he'll scratch yours. Most people think that God comes and heals people who have something to offer him. You do something good for Jesus and then he'll do something good for you. He'll really get in there and bless your life if you just give him something good. Rather, instead, Mark here shows us a completely different picture of God. He reveals the God who comes to us first. Jesus comes to Peter's mother-in-law, this poor woman, on her sickbed first. And he comes to you in your times of weakness, in your times of sickness, in your times of faithlessness. When all you can do is think about yourself... Jesus still comes to you first. Notice what he does. He lifts her up. This is very specific language. It's intentional. It's resurrection language. And then notice what the text says next. The fever left her and she began to serve them. See, it's not about you serving God and then he'll kind of meet you halfway. No, it's not about a partnership with God and the renewal of anything. It is God, Christ comes to her first. He heals her. So now you see things are ordered in her life once again. He heals her and then she begins to serve them. It's not you serve and then God does something for you. Christ reaches down daily and takes our weary and dead bodies up and he lifts them up. 
He lifts them up out of the fever of fear, guilt, and shame. Christ lifts us up out of death first, and then we serve. This is the illustration of the Christian life, who, as St. Paul says in Romans 12, offers himself up as a living sacrifice. Don't get it twisted. He always first resurrects you. Jesus always first comes to you and saves you in order to send you out, in order to serve Christ in the face of your neighbor. This is my second point. And this is actually one of the reasons in in our service we end every time with go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Because that's exactly what we do. Through the Holy Spirit, in word and sacrament, we've been met by Jesus first. And we've been reminded that we have been forgiven and we've been saved and we've been lifted up out of this fever of fear, guilt, and shame. And then we serve Jesus in the face of our neighbors through our various callings. And never underestimate how holy your calling actually is. Your calling, whatever it may be, is really, really important because God masks himself in your calling. And he masks himself in those you serve. And so, of course, Jesus continues to attract the crowds. And they just keep coming and coming. And then notice what Jesus does, which would drive all of us absolutely crazy. I bet you it drove the disciples crazy. Jesus takes off. He goes to a quiet place. And then they're like, hey, there's all sorts of people waiting for you. And what does he do? He's not like, well, we've got to go back and take care of them. No. See, Jesus understands that something's happening, and that is that they're missing the point. They're coming for the healing. You'll read later on, they keep coming for the bread, but still sin remains. The crowds, they want the gifts more than Jesus, the giver of the gifts, the source of every good and perfect gift. So early in the morning, Jesus, he leaves and he prays. And when the disciples find him and say, let's get this global kind of healing center going, let's do this, Jesus, driving everyone crazy, he packs up Look what he says. He says, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. He didn't come out to offer leg extensions. He didn't come out to offer gold fillings or any of those things. And if you notice, the miracles in the Gospels are very specific. The blind receive sight so that they can see the Gospel. The deaf hear so that they can hear the Gospel. The mute speak so that they can proclaim the Gospel. The lame get up and whisper to the very ends of the earth. It's not about the miracles in and of themselves. And that's really important because that help, when you understand that, that helps you not get it all twisted up either and begin to think of Jesus as like the cosmic Santa Claus. Because think about it. They take off to this next town. But think about all the people that showed up that afternoon at Peter's mother-in-law's porch. You know, with the sick kid, with leprosy, 
the sister who has a mental illness or is possessed by a demon. Think about all those people and how disappointed they must have been in that moment. Think about all the times in your life you've shot up a prayer and it seems to go completely unheard by God and you were really profoundly disappointed. See, it's in the dis- disappointment. It's, it's real. It's valid. But on one level, it's to miss the point. It's to want the gift more than the giver of the gift. And see, this is what the healing miracles are about in the Gospels. The healing and the miracles were never ends unto themselves. They point. The point was that the Messiah the Savior of the world, the one whom Isaiah in our reading today says gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless, that one was in their midst putting all things personally and cosmically in order. The miracles of Jesus are not for the miracle's sake. Rather, they are to demonstrate that his word has authority and God is behind it. The miracles are signs giving confirmation to the words that he spoke, which ultimately vanquishes sin and redeems and restores you and I. Close up with this. I think life often looks like Capernaum. You know, we show up and Jesus doesn't seem to be there. There are moments in my life when it seems like I've been in the right place, but it must have been the wrong time. And every prayer I've thrown up has seemed to just go out into the atmosphere. My prayers have yielded nothing. And sometimes, sometimes, your life just feels like that, like Jesus left. It feels like more like the norm than the exception. However, while that may be what you're feeling, God is still at work. And He is always faithful. He's always faithful to me, he's always faithful to you, and has fulfilled every single one of his promises in Christ to you. And that because of him, you now stand forgiven. You now stand justified. You now stand healed before God. And he will, that is a promise, raise you up on the last day. So, in those moments in life, and this is what happens when you begin to realize that, you begin to realize that in those moments when God does answer prayer and something does work out in your life, it's not about that either. What you're getting is a preview of the age that is to come. source of all life and all healing takes our hands and like Peter's mother-in-law 
takes our hands and the promise of the gospel is, is that he will pull you up out of the grave. He will lift you up on eagle's wings. And never forget that. This is my third point. Your life right now is hidden with Christ. And so the glory of God and the answer to our prayers can oftentimes take the shape of a cross. But never forget, in the midst of that hiddenness, you've been healed. And you will be lifted up and raised from the dead. And he will continue to lift you up and heal you every time you hear those comfortable words. Which say that you're forgiven. You will be continued to be lifted up every time you receive the body and the blood. Every time you are lifted up in those moments. Not because of what you are doing, and maybe Jesus will meet you halfway, but because God has met you all the way in Jesus and what he has done, does, and is doing in our lives. Lifting us up, healing, restoring, and redeeming. And it may not look like the way you'd want it, but he is at work in order to fixate our eyes on Jesus and serve him freely in the face of our neighbors. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.